Jason Dumas and Xavier Smith dominate the HBCU Legacy Bowl with performances so big it's going to leave scouts wondering if their size concerns are something they can start to overlook. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And listen, guys, if you're wondering why I'm so happy, why I'm smiling so much, it's because I just came back from the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Matter of fact, I just got off the road. I just got back, changed my shirt, did a little quick little preparation. And now I'm here to give you guys another episode. I'm extremely excited. I had a great time. Shout out to the 1400 Club. Shout out to my guy, Jamie. I was able to meet Blue for the first time. You know, we've been on the show together. I was able to meet them in person for the first time. So it was a phenomenal experience, and that's the reason I'm so happy. But here's the thing. We have a CIAA tournament to get to as well. We have a CIAA final in the men's side to get to. Winston-Salem State wins their second CIAA tournament in three years. Before all of that, Xavier Smith and Jason Dumas dominate the HBCU Legacy Bowl. But here's the thing. They have some vertical challenges that is going to leave them shorted by a couple of NFL teams. And I'm hoping a few less now after they dominated this Legacy Bowl. Let's get into Xavier Smith first because he was the offensive MVP and he was the go-to wide receiver for the black team. And I'll be honest, I did not expect a go-to receiver. This is an all-star game. Who's really expecting a go-to receiver in an all-star game? I'm not. Because these teams don't have chemistry, you know, they, the players haven't played with each other. It's not as if Musa was the quarterback and Smith was there. That wasn't the case. So because that wasn't the case, I had no expectations to see anybody be a go-to receiver. However, if you did have to ask me who was going to be the go-to receiver for either team, just pick one guy. Of course, I'm saying Xavier Smith. He was the star of the week, if we're going to be completely honest. From the beginning to the end, matter of fact, let's just take a look at his step-by-step -step process from Monday all the way to Saturday because I think he did a phenomenal job living up to every single piece of hype he received. And trust and believe, he received hype along the way from the very beginning. Everybody knew who Xavier Smith was coming into the HBCU Combine. That's the first event of the week. That is the kickoff event. Everybody knows, oh, Xavier Smith this, Xavier Smith that. We want to see how he runs. He comes out, he runs well. Matter of fact, he runs so well that his 40-yard dash is the highlight of the HBCU Combine. It's the one that if you just were barely looking, it's the one you saw. Okay, cool. Now you got to follow it up with a good week of practice because we're already hyped coming into the week. You run like you run. Now we're even more hype. We want to see what you can do when we put pads on because we've seen it. But, you know, it's always good to see it again. Get a little refresher. He has a great week of practice. And I would argue that if it's not the if it's not the highlight it's one of the highlights of the week of practice, his beautiful route against the defensive back who just hit the floor. I will not name names. I'm going to allow him to remain nameless. OK. That's a highlight of the week of practice. 
Okay, so now you had a great combine. You had a great week of practice. But now all the fans are here. Everybody's present. I'm in the box. Not that I'm just the deciding factor on whether or not Xavier Smith feels the nerves or not. But I'm up there. I get to see it personally. And what does he do? He's the offensive MVP. He has one of the two best catches deciding, you know, between him and that Jaden Thomas uh, catch was very difficult. But those are the two best catches of the day. And he has the only touchdown of the day. So if you ask me, did Xavier Smith receive hype going into this event? Yeah. Let's not even pretend like that wasn't present. Did he live up to that hype? Yeah. Did he supersede the hype? Maybe. His ability to dominate, be a go-to receiver was present. But the only thing about Xavier Smith is that he's about 5'9", 5'10". He's in that shorter range. He's not tall. And we all know size concerns are going to be prevalent when it comes to drafting and, and projecting how these prospects are going to turn out for many ball clubs. So he shot, he's 5'9". If Xavier Smith was 6'10", or excuse me, not 6'10", if he was 6'1", if Xavier Smith was simply 6'1", at worst, at worst, he is the second most coveted HBCUI receiver. At the worst, with his production, the only person who can actually compete with that is Jadakiss Jadakis Bonds. And then you just have to pick what style of wide receiver you'd prefer. That's it. But because he's 5'9", we kind of play him to the left. I don't like that. I think Xavier Smith is dominant. I think Xavier Smith should be at worst the second most coveted wide receiver. He's definitely the one I cover the most. He's, he's probably number one for me. He's one of my favorite players coming out in this draft from the HBCU ranks. See, here's the thing. He passes every single test except for the height and maybe the level of competition. But once you get past that, we're just talking about the height. Yards, check. Touchdowns, check. Catches, check. Eye test, check. Multiple years of being the man, check. He checks every single box that you would want in a wide receiver you're drafting. And we're not talking about first round. We're talking about mid-round, late round. He checks all of these boxes. The only thing you can't say is that he has good height, good size. But I'm going to tell you why I feel like this should not be as big of an issue for Xavier Smith. Why I feel like this shouldn't be an issue that people are like, yeah, I can't take him. He should still remain on certain teams' boards. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because there's use for a wide receiver of his size, it may not be your typical number one. It might not be your typical top five wide receiver. But within the offense, everybody don't have to be the star. Everybody doesn't have to be Justin Jefferson, right? Because you look at a guy like Hunter Renfro for the Raiders. Hunter Renfro for the Raiders, he was their number one receiver. But he didn't get a lot of looks. And then Devontae Adams comes in. A lot of looks as in from other people. Some people were kind of slow to look at him because he's not as flashy. Devontae Adams comes in. He plays a role. And now you're like, oh, he fits great in that role. You don't have to be a star to be useful. That's the point. Whether you're the number one receiver or a number two receiver, if you know how to play a certain role within the offense, you're going to be useful. And I, I can honestly see Xavier Smith as a gadget guy, a guy who isn't a real position player. He might be your, your scat back. He might be a slot receiver. He might be the guy going in motion. We just saw the, uh, the Chiefs have a great play where they put the guy in motion and then backed him out immediately, didn't go with the crossing route. Xavier Smith can do that. Here's my thing about Xavier Smith. His size concerns are going to put some people off. Some people are just going to take him off the board because of that. And if I'm Xavier Smith, I'm happy because those type of teams are not the teams that I need to go to. Xavier Smith needs to go to a team that has him on their board because they know how to use a player like him. 
if you if you just take him off your board, you probably don't know how to use that type of receiver, and that's okay. And that's best for Xavier Smith. But if you're asking me if 32 teams should take him off the board because he's 5'9", 170, no. Somebody can use this explosive dynamite player in their offense. And I hope that somebody picks him. If he doesn't get drafted, it's only because of his height. Call me foolish, but I think even a 6'1 receiver from Florida A&M with everything else the same, same name, same stats, same school, same time in college, I think this guy gets selected mid to late in the draft. Because he's 5'9", he might not, but that would be a mistake for the NFL. And as we continue the trend of undersized players dominating the HBCU Legacy Bowl, Jason Dumas, the defensive tackle out of Southern, who is admittedly undersized, and that's not a slight, was a game wrecker against the pass in this game, and it should leave at least some scouts saying, you know what, maybe, just maybe, we should overlook these size concerns. Let's dive into it as we continue with Locked on HBCU. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you think I'd just be faking, if you think I'd just be talking because I'm in front of these cameras when it comes to Built Bar, and this isn't something that I partake in in my everyday life, please go to my uh, Twitter. And if you know what, you don't want to scroll because I've had some retweets and stuff, that's fine. Go to Ross Jackson in OLA. Check out his media. And it'll show you that I brought my s'mores built puff to the HBCU Legacy Bowl in the press box, and you see me really living it. I'm telling you, I'm living what I'm speaking. I'm practicing what I'm preaching. You have to understand these things are delicious. I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing a bench press at halftime. I just was hungry. I just wanted a snack, a protein bar for a snack that you can bring at a game when you're just a little bit famished. Wow. It's amazing. And because it's a protein bar, you know that you can have it. And yes, I did say s'mores. Yes, that does sound fat. No, it is not actually fat. Low in fat, low in sugar, low in carbs, high in protein, delicious, flavorful, and good for you. If you need any better promotion for Built Bar, just check me out in my real life. I might have a Built Bar on me at the time. <laughs> just go to Built.com if you want to get some of this too. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. Or you can run over to Walmart or Sam's and get them right now, right now, right now. Because sometimes these things are just too good to wait for shipping. As we continue with Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball with everything you need around the sport. March is two days away. Two days away, and we're going to be right in the heart, or nearly right in the heart, of March Madness. This is must-watch, must-listen, so make sure you check that out wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, I want to tell you guys, Jason Dumas was dominant. Matter of fact, I would say he was the best player on the field on Saturday. I would. I would say he had the best performance of any player that I saw. And listen, I'm not going to say he ran away with it because we saw some studs out there. There was probably three to four players who I was like, ooh, ah, at least five, six times when watching them play. But Jason Dumas was one of those guys. And at the defensive tackle position, excuse me, at the defensive tackle position, to be able to do that, to be able to be as visible as he was on a nearly snap basis, I mean, almost every time he was on the field, you couldn't help but see him. That's saying something. And he was the defensive MVP. Matter of fact, I'll let you guys in on a little bit. Hopefully I can do this. And if I can't, you may never catch me in a press box again. But I think this should be okay to say. We voted for defensive MVP. I personally voted for Jason Dumas. We voted for offensive and defensive MVP. 
And I personally voted for Jason, Jason Dumas. And I think a lot of people in that room did as well because when he had his third sack, yes, his third sack, one, two, three, trifecta, trio, triumvirate, when he had his, his third sack, everybody in the room said, yep, that's the guy. That's the guy. I, I, it was almost like we collectively said that was the play that swayed us to saying Jason Dumas is the guy. And I just used that to say, his performance was so impactful that it made a group of probably 10 to 15 people at least all say, yep, at the same time. This guy was amazing. I, I, I really did. And he capitalized off the hype that I saw in the one-on-ones from the hype that I saw talking to people on the field before the game. You know, because you got to get out there. You got to talk, see what's going on. I wasn't able to be at practice and see team portion. So I was able to get some more information. My guy told me, he said, listen, that inside duo, of Peterson and Dumas is going to be scary, and it was scary. We're going to talk about uh, Peterson tomorrow. We're going to talk about Peterson tomorrow, but Jason Dumas' ability to convert his speed to power, his ability to just blow by offensive guards and centers when he needed to was crazy. He had three sacks on the day, like I already said, but he had countless pressures. Jason Dumas out there was, I don't want to use the cliche about, you know, living in the backfield, so I won't, but just understand that Jason Dumas had a permanent residence in the team Gaither backfield. Yeah, I had to say it. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't think of any other way to say it rather than be cliche. So put me in that category. I'm a, I'm a cliche podcaster now is what it is. But his ability to convert speed to power made it to where he regularly beat these offensive guards, regularly disrupted the timing of passes. The quarterback play was not great on Saturday. Just be honest with you. As soon as he got into the backfield, they dropped their head. Yes, a more poised quarterback probably would have been able to navigate through some of the pressure and be able to have his eyes downfield and maybe hit somebody. I get that. There was times when Dumas was just on him immediately. The defensive line was on them immediately. It was times of that, but it was also times when Dumas was just free and the quarterback dropped his head. But understanding that that's what happened, that is a huge win. That is a disruption. And even when it didn't end in a sack, it took away the idea of stretching the field for 10, 15 yards. Maybe it was a two, three yard max when he did this. So, and then also if you want to weigh out what would happen in the NFL because, oh, well, quarterbacks would do this in the NFL. Well, you would also probably have more disciplined pass rush lanes than you did in this game. Everybody was trying to win as an individual. And it just so happened that a lot of times, let's say two of the four, three of the four would win as individuals. And when you're winning as an individual, you kind of get a little bit more reckless. You kind of get a little bit more free. You don't stay in your lanes because you're worried about you. You want to show out more than anything else. And those type of things happen. But in the NFL, those quarterbacks will have to face more disciplined pass rushes. So maybe Jason Dumas gets open. And now you have Chris Jones next to him. Chris Jones isn't going crazy. Chris Jones is going to stay in his pass rush lane. So now that's a successful pass rush that likely ends in a two, three yard loss as opposed to a two to three yard gain. Both are great because they minimize what the attempt of the offense was. But if you want to just balance it out. Here's the thing about Dumas, though. His size, his, his height is a give and a take. I think that is a give hypothetically because it helps his explosion. I told you his speed to power was probably his best move. I saw it in the one on ones. I saw it in the game. I thought that was great. His bull rush was amazing. I think his explosion is kind of helped by the fact that he's a little bit shorty. He can get a bunch of guys. He can, it, it's, it's great for him. You know, like they say, low man wins. He's typically going to be the low man. And here's the thing about his, his height. It's going to take a lot of people off his board. That's the take. He's going to take a lot of people or a lot of people are going to take him 
off of their board. That's not a slight. Everybody in this situation knows that. I promise you, Jason Dumas knows it. His people know it. His coaches know it. His trainers know it. His height simply is going to be a non-negotiable for certain teams. But that does not mean he's not a good player. That does not mean he's not effective. It just likely means he might not get a chance with over half of the ball, ball clubs in the NFL. That's just real. That's the take. That's the unfortunate side of it. No matter how much they see him bull rushing, no matter how quick they are. I'm going to tell you what I read. I think, I think it was a, 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 an article in the Times-Picayune. They, they came to him asking for him to be a fullback. The man had three sacks in an all-star game, and people came to him saying, are you willing to play fullback? He did play a snap of fullback, and I think he played multiple snaps in practice, and he said, I'm open to doing it. But you're telling me that a defensive tackle, a man who is a clear defensive tackle, comes into an all-star game, dominates as a defensive tackle, plays a singular snap on the other side, and doesn't block anybody. They don't even run his way. I think he was almost in misdirection to make people think he was going to be a lead blocker just so they could run the other way dominates as a defensive tackle and after the game they come to you and say would you like to be a fullback i'm not accusing them of disrespect i promise you i'm not that's just what they project him as they don't see him as being a defensive tackle that tells you how heavy the height is concerned or the height is weighed against him Ugh, that's an ugly sentence the height is weighed against him anyway jason dumas is dominant jason dumas is a dog jason dumas has the ability to be a really good pass rusher i just wonder if jason dumas is going to get the chance the opportunity to show that he can be a really good pass rusher that's the question that i don't have the answers to but it's the question i would love to know how it's going to play out when we come around in april he's not going to be drafted because of that hype i, I just don't think he is but i do think he might be able to get a udfa look and maybe he gets in the camp and he shows, you know what? I'm here. I can do this. I can I can perform against these guys. Once you get to camp, all your concerns go out the window because you get to actually show what you can do no longer in theory, but in principle. So if you're in the Jason Dumas camp and after this, I might be in a Jason Dumas camp because he was that good. I'm advocating for him to get into a camp, getting into a training camp. And let's see what he can do against some NFL players. So. As we're continuing, Winston-Salem State wins their second CIAA tournament in three years. I ain't talking dynasty, but it's hard not to say that Cleo Hill is starting to really hit his form as the Winston-Salem coach. Let's dig into that a little deeper as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, shout out to my segment three people making it to the end, but also making us your first listen of the day. You know that I appreciate it. And shout out to everybody who was there at the HBCU Legacy Bowl, even if we didn't see each other. And shout out to everybody who was there at the CIAA tournament, because I know we didn't see each other, but I'm trying to get out there. Y'all know Coop hit me today. Man, we got to get you to the CIAA tournament next year. She ain't wrong. We got to find a way for me to get out to Baltimore next year. Hopefully, they don't have the Legacy Bowl in the in the tournament at the same time, and we can make something happen. But I got to figure out a way to get out there because y'all look like y'all are having the time of your lives every single game. But you know who's really having the time of their lives? Winston-Salem State. Because for the second time in three seasons, four years, because they took that year off because of the pandemic, but for the second time in three seasons, they are the CIAA 
champions, not divisional champions, CIAA tournament champions. And Cleo Hill is really hitting his stride. He's won a coach of the year. He's now won two CIAA tournaments, won the South one of these years. You know, and I wish this was a moment where I could come on here and say, I told you, I predicted this. I, I would love if I would say Winston-Salem is going to win it. I said they could win it. This isn't a time to hedge my bets. This isn't a time to say, oh, I was close. I don't, I don't want that. I'm setting the scene for who they were. I will say I thought that Virginia Union, the number one seed, the team who had been at the top for pretty much the majority of the year, was going to win this tournament. But you know who knocked them off? Winston-Salem State. It was a tough loss, really tough loss. I hope that I hope my, my guy Coach G is not watching this right now. I hope he stopped after the Legacy Bowl talk because he knew we were going to be talking about Winston-Salem because my guy was upset, all right? My guy was upset, and I ain't throwing no salt in the wound, my guy. I'm not, I promise you. But that was a really tough game for Virginia Union to lose. But Winston-Salem State was able to knock off the number one seed. And after that, it was Lincoln. After a really tough matchup, a defensive matchup, the offense began to kind of come loose a little bit. And they showed why they were one of two teams that I felt in that tier two, than one of the two teams who didn't get in that top four. And you might have thought I just counted them out because I was very critical of their situation, losing two late games that led to them not being able to have a bye game, I guess, bye day whatever, where you were able to just skip past the opening round. But we always knew that Winston-Salem was talented, and that's one of the reasons it was more frustrating that they weren't able to get into the top four. But anywho, you knock off Virginia Union, you knock off Lincoln in the second game or in the championship game, and you have a game where there's two stats that separate them, free throws and rebounds. First off, you played the free throw game at the end. You were really leading by a good margin. You end up winning by seven points. You, you know, you, you were you were just shooting free throws to keep your lead at that point. Knocking out one out of two wasn't doing great, but you were doing enough. Free throws and rebounds were the two stats that allowed Winston-Salem to overcome a poor shooting day. Neither one of these teams shot the ball well from the field. I don't care if it was two-point or three-point. Neither one of these two teams, talking about Lincoln and Winston-Salem, shot the ball particularly well from the, from the field. Honestly, Winston-Salem didn't shoot the ball well at all, but they got to the line so many times. That if you continue getting to the line, you can make up for some poor shooting. You know, that's a skill in and of itself. The, the ability to get to the line is a skill. It's one of the reasons that we stress that stat. But then you look at rebounds. When you don't shoot the ball well, but you're getting a bunch of, uh, of offensive rebounds and you're out-rebounding your opponent by 11 points, 11 rebounds, excuse me. Now you're getting to a point where you have more second chance shots. Now you get to put up more opportunities and you're beating them badly when it comes to defensive rebounds. So they're not getting these offensive rebounds. Lincoln only had five, which means at best they have five second chance uh, shot attempts at best. Meanwhile, you look at Lincoln or Winston-Salem, they had 16. You see the big difference? Overall, it was a 47 to like 26 rebound advantage for Winston-Salem State when you're not shooting the ball well getting a bunch of rebounds and also getting to the free throw line are going to be key they're going to be the reason you win or lose this game and they were able to win these matchups and that's the reason they were able to win the game we'll see Winston-Salem and who they're going to be facing in the D2 tournament going forward but you got to give a round of applause for the CIAA champions but we are not finished this week with the HBCU Legacy Bowl I promise you that on tomorrow's episode be ready for five players who made scouts say, we got to go back to the tape. Five scouts who when they, or five players when we saw their performance, scouts had to say, 
let's look into this player just a little bit more. That's what you can expect on tomorrow's episode of Locked on HBCU. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Once again, shout out to everybody at the Legacy Bowl at the CIAA tournament. If you ever catch me at one of these events, holler at me, chop it up. We take a picture. We just talk about whatever, right? Whoever your school is, we'll talk about them. But for your second listen, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. March Madness is more than around the corners, nearly right in your face. Go ahead and check out this podcast wherever you get them. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. He is everywhere, so check him out, man. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, I don't think I did the point today. So let's do the point now. Hey! Right there at South Exclusives. That's on Twitter. Until next time, we hear each other family. Take care. Stay blessed. Other hand. Peace.